Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. When we talk about submission, a lot of times it creates a bristle down the back of a lot of women. So if you don't mind, I want to start tonight by, by, by praying and praying that God, God, empty our heart and our mind of things that we've heard before, that God would empty our mind and our heart of past experiences and that we would allow God to truly show us what that heart of submission looks like. So if you would, please pray with me. Father, I thank you. God, I love you. God, we, we love you. We, we've come into this place tonight as a song that Caleb was singing. God, we come into this place of freedom before you. We're grateful for the freedom we have to worship you. We're grateful for the freedom we have to serve you and serve your people. And God, we're grateful to submit to you. God, because without you, we would certainly be nothing. God, I pray that you would rid our hearts and our minds of, of any preconceived notion we would have that you would clear us to hear only your word. God, I pray that you would quiet me and quiet the spirit inside me and, and quiet the nerves. Shut my mouth anything that wouldn't glorify you. Allow me to only glorify you and your son Jesus in this place tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we began this study on Wednesday nights in First Peter. And I don't know if you guys pay a lot of attention to the snazzy graphic work of our pastor and all the wonderful things he puts up on the screen. But we started 1 Peter in chapter 1, and our, our title for this study was called Standing Strong. And there was a picture of this tree with its roots wrapped around this boulder. And, and, and from that picture, you, you almost imagine, stand strong, dig your roots in, and regardless of what obstacle, regardless of what comes your way, just stand strong. And as we moved into chapter 2 of First Peter, Pastor Jim changed our graphic. And our title moved to As an Example Before Men. And in chapter 2, Peter walks us through this outline of our conduct. What it is that God expects us to show to the people we come in contact with outside in the real world and in the church. And I've stared at this picture numerous times over the last few weeks as I've been studying and praying and and I'm drawn to the shadow. Because the truth is, in every interaction we have in our life, we cast a shadow of ourselves onto the people around us. And it's our responsibility to cast the shadow of a biblically built character. Tonight we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to talk about and study through verse 1 through 6. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, um, please do. As I said, chapter 2, Peter lays out for us what we're expected to, to do, how we're expected to act. And he gives us these codes of conduct. And Pastor Jim finished up chapter 2 last week, and so this week we move into chapter 3. In chapter 3, Peter is saying the same thing. He's still telling us how best to act. But in chapter 3, we find Peter standing on the front doorstep of our home. 
And Peter's saying, get it right at home. Because Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, For you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, out the remotest parts of the earth. Jerusalem was put in that text first. Jerusalem was their home. Our witness to the people out in the world is great. And praise God. Praise God if you commit and you convert a thousand people in your outside dealings to the Lord. But God have mercy on our soul if our family perishes because of the witness we displayed to them. Pastor Jim and I had a not-so-godly interaction in our home yesterday morning before he left for church, and I'll, <laughs> I'll get into that a little more later. But, <laughs> oh, no, it's good. It's good. Um, he and I were horrible witnesses to one another in our home yesterday. And it's so hard to witness to those that are in our home. You know, this past Sunday, Pastor Jim asked us to stand up as he closed the sermon, stand up and stand in the gap and pray for someone in your family that, that doesn't know the Lord. And a lot of people stood up. And it's so hard to witness to the people in our home. Because, I hate to use this in COVID times, but we take the mask off when we come home. The people in our home see the real us. We don't show them the same person we showed to the public. But Peter's telling us in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, get it right at home first. Guard your witness at home. Watch your conduct at home. So let's read verse 1 through 6 of chapter 3. Let me put my reading glasses on. I'll get to that part in verse 3 and 4. Verse 1, in the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. I mentioned when I first got up here that sometimes when we talk about submission, it, it creates a little rub in, in women. Um, I have heard these verses taught numerous times before, and, and in those teachings, it, it wasn't about the submission of the woman, it was more about the elevation of the man and his right to be submitted to as the head of our home. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. But when that's what we focus on in this, in this text, and even in Ephesians chapter 5, we miss the heart of the woman that's willing to submit to God and her husband. We overshadow the example of Christ that a woman is in her home, in her submission. I'm not going to stand up here tonight and tell you that submitting to your husband is easy. Because it's not. Not always. Transparent, truthful Angela, for a minute. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. 
it freaks me out to stand here and all of you looking at me. I am petrified that I will misrepresent God and his word to you. It creates anxiety in me that my mouth's going to outrun my brain and I'm going to say something that I mean to be right, but I say it wrong and I mislead you. I'm even afraid of your judgment of me for how I do while I'm up here. But I stand here tonight in submission to my husband. Even when it's not easy. I mentioned that passionate exchange we had yesterday. And in my anger after this exchange, I watched for him to leave the driveway and get down the road. Because my flesh, Angela, the crazy one, said, text him in like 10 minutes and say, you're the pastor of the church. You teach tomorrow night. I'm not going to. You figure it out. (laughs) But as my crazy started to fizzle out, I didn't text him. And I, I stand here tonight submitted to my husband. I stand here tonight submitted to my pastor. I stand here tonight submitted to God, trusting in his ability to do this, not my own. And while I won't tell you that submission is easy, what I will tell you is that Submission does not mean that we as women are inferior. Spiritual submission does not create inequality. It actually promotes equality among the different members and functions of our home. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about the members of the body and how each one is equal to the other, performing the greater, the greater purpose, the greater function. So no, no one member is greater than the other. So our submission to our husband doesn't doesn't create inequality for us. It creates equality as we serve God and and fulfill his purpose for our life. My Uncle Bobby was um, making a joke one night at my mom and dad's house. We were there for a family function. And he made the joke and said, well, I'm the head of our house, but your Aunt Paula is the neck that turns the head. And that's funny. But you know what? It's also very honoring because it's true. Yes, our husband is the head of our home. But let's, let's talk about our anatomy for a minute. The head, the eyes, don't have full vision unless the neck turns the head. The head doesn't stay in its position without the support of the neck. So view your submission not as, as, as a place of your inferiority, but women, view your submission to your husbands as a foundation for him to fulfill the purpose that God has called him to fulfill and ultimately your purpose too. He can't do it if you don't support him. Submission never means that we don't have a voice. We still have a voice and are able to to have those discussions as it relates to the decisions in our home. But ultimately, it's our husband's decision to make, which is also great because then it's his fault if it blows up in our face. (laughs) Submission is, is not giving up. See, submission 
is an activity. It actively engages you to where giving up, you just remove yourself from it. You're no longer engaged in it. And you hear those words or you find yourself saying those words so many times that we all say. It's, it's almost as damaging to a man as fine. It's whatever. See, to submit, you have to make a concerted effort every day to submit to God and to submit to your husband. And most importantly, submission is not weakness. Submitting to our husbands and God is a tremendous show of strength on our part. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God to be grasped. A few Sundays ago, Pastor Jim did his Sunday sermon on the forgotten sacrifice, and he talked about the sacrifice that Jesus made in stepping out of his perfect environment into earth to give of himself of us. So take a moment and consider the strength and the determination that Jesus displayed in his submission to the will of God. That's the same strength that you display, ladies, when you submit to your husbands. And when you boil it all down, submission is trust. I've said the word trust several times. Submission is trust. You trust the leading of your husband and you trust the leading of God. And in verse 1 and 2, we see that submission is trusting God's plan. Verse 1 and 2 again. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. In this same way, you wives. If you, if you listen closely, you hear the faint sound of, of Peter knocking on your front door when he says, in this same way, you wives. He's saying in this verse, in the same way that I just told you, not in chapter 2 because he didn't have it broken down in chapters. That's what we do with the Bible. But what I just told you, everything I just told you to do as you come into contact with the outside world, you do at home too, wives. At home, we are, as verse 1 of chapter 2 says, we are to put aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. This means that we, we're not envious of our husbands and his success. We celebrate it. This means that we, we speak kindly to our husbands because we're not going to have malice in our hearts. It doesn't just mean that we're going to speak kindly to our husbands. It also means that we're going to put away slander and we're not going to speak unkindly about our husband. That we'll speak kindly about him. But as women, we, our response to that is, but I need to vent. No, we don't. No, we don't. I am guilty. I vent to my mother. And unfortunately, my mother thinks that my husband does no wrong, so I don't really get anywhere there. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I vent to my mother. But my mother is, takes me out of venting and forces me into a place of seeking godly counsel because there's a difference. Because my mother tends to, because she knows my faults and she knows where I'm at, 
she tends to always bring me back to, well, what did you do? What did you say? That's what Peter's doing here. In chapter 2 and in, in leading into this, so also wives, Peter's saying, worry about your sales. Women, worry about your sales. Trust God's plan for your husband. Trust God's plan for your home. Because as you remove, if, you're, if you are like me, y'all are all way better than me, but if I spend all my time removing malice and envy and slander and all these things from my life, I don't have time to worry about what Pastor Jim's doing. I don't have time to pick out his faults because I'm too worried about trying to get God to help me fix mine. And here's the other thing that venting will get you. When you vent to your friends and talk bad about your husband to your friends and tell them all the negative things he's done or said to you, you see, when your husband comes home from work and you two have kissed and made up, your friend's still over here thinking negatively and poorly about your husband. And the next time you have an issue and you tell that friend, well, she's going to remind you of all the other things you've ever told you that your husband did, that you've ever told her that your husband did. And at some point, she's going to start convincing you how bad your husband is. And you're going to set yourself up to make a horrible decision or just create a horrible environment in your home. You know who's there when you have those altercations? God. God saw it all. God knows you. God knows your husband. So instead of venting to your friends, how about you go in to prayer? Take it to prayer. Because God's the one who can truly do something about it. God's who has a plan for your life and for your husband. You know, there's a song that I, I, I remember hearing growing up, and some of the words of it are, I am woman, hear me roar. The roar of a woman should be heard in nothing but prayer. That might have been my opinion. That might have come from the book of Angela, chapter 4. But... <laughs> but God can affect change to where your friend or that person that you're venting to can't God can affect change where you can't God can affect change where your husband can't there was a time that Pastor Jim it's in 2012 Pastor Jim decided that um, we need to buy a new house and the moment that he said it there was something that welled up inside of me of no, 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 no but learning not to always tell my mom everything. I never, I didn't mention it. But I started praying about it. And the prayer usually goes like this. Because sometimes we're all guilty. All women, we're guilty. If we say we're not, then we got a problem with lying. We should probably work on that. We think we're smarter than our husbands. We think we know more. We think that he's wrong and he's not smart and he's not thinking and all these things. We, we've all done it. <clears throat> so I, my remedy for that so that I don't say too much is I start praying and I say God if this is the right decision will you bless what we're about to do and if it's not the right decision will you shut the door and so this whole house hunting process I, 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 I knew no 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 I didn't know why I just knew no but I didn't say anything, and so 
We found a house that Pastor Jim absolutely loved. And on a Sunday afternoon, a real estate agent was going to come over and look at our house to put it on the market. And so I left church and went straight to Kroger. I rented the rug doctor so that I could shampoo our carpets so that our house would be perfectly clean when the real estate guy comes over. So I get to go through all this stuff, and I, and I get everything ready, and I turn on the shampooer, and Pastor Jim comes home and says, Hey, I canceled that realtor. We're not supposed to buy a new house right now. And I thought, oh, timing. <laughs> but God intervened. God made the decision work to the right, to the benefit of us. Our friends can't do that for us. Chapter 2, verse 18, Peter writes this. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. See, here's where Peter, again, removes our excuse, that statement we want to make of, yeah, I understand what the Bible says, but you don't know my husband. In this verse, Peter maintains that focus on us as the women, as the women, as our actions. If we focus on our actions, if we submit, whether good or evil, God's hand is on that, and God will bless that, and God will lead you through that. In chapter 2, verse 21, Peter removes our preference, our agenda, and our inability. Because as women, we sometimes want to say, it's just too hard, I can't do it. But in verse 21 in chapter 2 of, of 1 Peter, he writes this, For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you, example, and ex leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Christ is our example. Christ suffered. Christ had hard times. But he remained submitted to the will of the Father. He remained submitted to the plan of God. And that's all that Peter is asking us as women to do. Submit to God and submit to your husband. Trust God. Trust God's plan. Our submission to our husbands, um, trust God's plan for salvation. You see, we don't get to use the excuse, well, my husband's not a believer. What, what God and what Peter says in the word is that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. At the end of the day, believer or not, our husbands are created in the image of God just like we are. And Christ died for our husbands the same as he died for us. And God's only asking you to show your husband the same mercy and grace that he showed you before you became a believer. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The question I would ask myself and, and I would ask you to ask yourself is, do you demonstrate Christ to someone on the street better than you demonstrate him at home to your husband? Is your behavior chaste and respectful? You know, Proverbs 21 verse 9 says, It is better to live in a corner on a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Just a little too many amens on that one. <laughs> 
but our chaste and respectful behavior. You know, Pastor Jim has told you guys a story a few times about his grandmother and his grandfather and how his grandfather wasn't a believer, and he wanted no part of, of, of Jim's grandmother's faith. But she, every day, got her Bible out and did her Bible study out loud. And he moved, over time, he moved from having nothing to do with it, mad that she was doing it, to moving a little closer to where he could hear her in the kitchen. So he ended up in the kitchen. And then he ended up participating in the reading of the word with her. And he committed his life to the Lord because of her chaste and respectful behavior. God's plan is for all men to be saved. This includes your unbelieving husband. Trust God's plan and submit. And allow yourself to be the tool in God's hand that wins him over. Not the axe that cuts the weed down. Number two, submission is accepting God's definition of beauty. In verse 3 and 4. Put my glasses. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. <clears throat> I can get behind these two verses easily. The calories that I take in in my 30s started going and landing in different places. And they liked those places. So even into my 40s, they continued to land in those same places, causing them to get bigger. I don't do well with the latest hair trends and makeup tricks. By the time I figure out the latest hair thing, it's already out of style. And like that smoky eye that y'all do with the eyeshadow and the eyeliner, I don't, when I do that, I look like I am changing my occupation and the hours of the day in which I plan to earn my wages. It's not pretty. The culture of the time when Peter wrote this, is this is, is, isn't much different than it is for us today. Women were expected to dress well. Women were expected to wear jewelry and, and have their hair braided. They were, they were expected to look beautiful at all times. But God gives his definition in, in, chapter, in verse 4. When he said it's the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. Consider how much time each of us spend every day preparing to leave our home. We take time to shower and do our hair and do our makeup and get our outfit just right and make sure our shoes match perfectly in our purse. And we give all this time, but, but do we spend a fraction of that amount of time preparing the inner woman, the inner person of the heart? I think all of us have probably seen people that, or, or encountered people that are a woman that they, they, they just pass by and go, my goodness, that's, that's a beautiful woman. And then she opens her mouth and she just vile. She's just awful. And, and immediately, the, the, the beauty that you saw in her is gone. Because it's the inner part. 
Jesus references this condition in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, when he told the Pharisees, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones. See, we spend all this time on the outside and we neglect the inside person. We're considered precious in the sight of God when we conduct ourselves with a gentle and quiet spirit. And how do we do that? Well, Romans chapter, two, ver- Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. But when we allow our husbands to observe our chaste and respectful behavior, and when we, when we have a gentle and quiet spirit, the Bible in First Peter chapter 3 says that this is precious in the sight of the Lord. But when this is how we act around our husbands, as time goes by and the years begin to show on your face in wrinkles and extra pounds and eyes that were once bright and sparkly show tired, Please know that you are just as beautiful, if not more beautiful, to your husband as you ever were the the first time he ever met you. And the last point, submission is trusting God's promises, verse verse 5 and 6. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children. If you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Turn with me for just a quick minute to Genesis chapter 18. And I'm going to read um, verse 9 through 15. But in the beginning of Genesis chapter 18, the Lord is visiting Abraham. And he says in, 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 this, in verse 9, Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Like Sarah, our submission proves our trust in God's promises over our life. Sarah's laugh sold her out. Sarah's laugh sold out her doubt. Then she verbalized her doubt to herself. Because at the end of it, the the truth is, they were old. So she doubted this promise that God had just given to her husband. And it says in verse 15 that she was afraid. I don't think she was afraid of having a baby. I think she was afraid of God's promise not being true. But if you read on in Genesis in chapter 21... God's promise is born, and they named him Isaac. And in Genesis chapter 22, 
<clears throat> we read of where Abraham is asked by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. But the Bible doesn't tell us if Sarah knew of what her husband had been asked to do. If she did know, my goodness, the example of submission to God's promise, God's plan. And if she didn't know, it further proves what Peter's been trying to tell us all along. Mind yourself. God's got a plan for your husband that you don't have to control and know everything about. And verse 6 ends with without being frightened by any fear. There's another lady in our Bible that the Bible references her laughter. In Proverbs chapter 31, verse 25, the NASB says it like this. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. The King James Version says, She will rejoice in the time to come. And the NIV Version says, She can laugh at the days to come. Proverbs 31, verse 10 through 12, describes the same woman that Peter is asking us to be. An excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil in all, all the days of her life. See, a woman of submission, a woman submitted to trust in God's plan, a woman who understands and trusts God's definition of beauty and his promises truly has no fear. And she really can laugh at the days to come. Because whatever joy is in them, whatever blessing is in them, whatever hardship is in them, she is encouraged in her submission by the example that Jesus was to her. And as for her, Proverbs 31, verse 28, is her reward. It says, Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Men, she deserves your praise, your devotion, adoration, care, and love. Please rise up and give her the fruits of her hands. Praise her all the days of your life. Because her submission to you is ultimately for your good and for the good of your home, and for the good of your fulfillment of God's purpose for your life.